Blizzard's After Dark has gone international. Here in Canada, at I keep calling it the Air Canada Centre. Uh, so do I. No longer Air Canada Centre, Scotiabank Arena. And it's confusing because there are a few, or at least there have been a few different arenas throughout Canada named after Scotiabank. Uh, the arena in Ottawa was called the Scotiabank something at some point. And I want to say there's another arena called the Scotiabank Centre or Scotiabank... Uh, what other what other names can arenas be called? Place, maybe? Uh, place? I don't think place. I think no, that's there's, a street. there's some places, I think. What's a place? I, I don't know. I don't ask me to back things I say up with, with facts. With facts, please. Yeah, People, won't come, People won't come here for facts. Uh, that is Eric Kareen from The Athletic, who covers the Raptors for The Athletic, who you're hearing talking. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. The Wizards lost in Toronto, 125-107. They came back and took a one-point lead in the third quarter for what felt like it was like almost like a, like a dream. Like, you know when you, you wake up in the morning and, like, you had a dream that was so real and you're, like, not quite sure if it was if it happened or not? Like, that was the 71-70 lead in the third quarter. And I, then Toronto just I had that. one like that recently, and it involved the Raptors. I can't get into the details because it's very strange. <laughs> um, and the player who it was about. Was Please the, do. Uh, no, I cannot. Um, <laughs> so, so I shouldn't have even brought it up, obviously. But I got up and I had to actually check that this thing did not happen. I was like, I know I just got out of bed, but what if this thing happened? And I'm going to have to write a huge story about it. When I was it was that big of a, of a When story. I was covering the Thunder, I had a dream that uh, Karam Butler came out of retirement <laughs> to sign with the Thunder. I had no idea why Karam Butler was still in my mind. But I had a dream that he came out of retirement to sign with the Thunder, and I woke up like, oh, God. And, like, immediately checked my phone because it was so real. Yeah, the story and I was like, oh, big. my God. The story would have been bigger, I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> Bigger than Karam <laughs> Butler coming out of retirement? I don't yeah. know. We're talking about Karam Butler here. Yeah. Half a season Thunder legend. I have a lot of time for him, but uh, it would have been a bigger start. <laughs> well, the Wizards lost 125-107. Uh, John Wall, off-shooting night, 5 for 13, 11 points, 11 assists. Bradley Beal had 20. Otto Porter had 17. The Wizards went 9 for 46 from three. I think 46 threes is a franchise record. I am... I don't even need to look this up. I am certain 37 missed threes is a franchise record. That's a lot. It's hard to do. I mean, it's easier to do now in the NBA. I was talking with another writer, and he was like, I think at some point, like, you never see teams go two for 12 anymore from three. Like, it's always, nothing's going to dissuade them from taking it because we know the value of the three-point shot, and there's no such thing as being cold like anymore somehow it's like these shots if they're open are going to fall at some point even if it's not in the game and it's bad basketball to not take those shots and yet well the best the best way to put this in context i think is the wizards franchise record for most three-pointers attempted in a season coming into this year was 39 and tonight they missed 37 and it's just a heck of a way to show how much the game has changed paired with how many freaking threes they missed tonight. Yeah. Like, go through it. Every wizard who got rotation minutes missed at least two threes. Uh, Kelly Oubre was 0 for 6. Porter, 1 for 6. Thomas Bryant, 1 for 4. Beal, 1 for 3. Wall, 1 for 7. Morris, 2 for 6. Sadoransky, 1 for 4. Rivers, 2 for 4. And Jeff Green was 0 for 5. And a Carl White in his first game as a wizard was 0 for 1. 
in <laughs> three minutes played. I don't think the misses were necessarily flukish, though. Like, I mean, yeah, Jeff Green's not going to go 0 for 5 all the time. Kelly Oubre is not going to go 0 for 6. But the wrong guys were taking the open. A lot of them were open, but yeah. the wrong guys were taking the open spot-up threes. It was Oubre. It was Green. It was those guys who the Raptors were aggressively helping off of. And yeah. Like, was, like look, Brad Beal took three three-pointers. I think they live with that all day. That was probably number one on or number two on their scouting uh Report heading into the game was let's run him off the line and make him do stuff with within the paint or you know in the mid range ideally, um, and that's easier said than done you know because Bradley Beal is a very good player, uh, but they will live with almost anything else as you know I'm sure this is how most teams approach the Wizards you know you try to limit John Wall's penetration and if you have to help on to him you try to make sure you don't leave Brad Beal. And it's not a coincidence that those guys, you know, who are getting up the shots were your Jeff Greens and Ubres and Porters. And on better nights, they, to, you know, combined to hit six of those three-pointers instead of, what were they at, like, uh, instead of one of them. And then it's a different game. But, you know, the thing about regression to the mean is it doesn't always regress to the mean within a single game. In right. fact, it, it rarely does. Well, what's... One thing that is wild about this Wizards season, and it goes beyond just them not having been good so far, and I do think it's something that's going to come back. You look at the three-point percentages for all these guys, everyone, Beal, Oubre, Porter, Morris, Rivers, all these guys are shooting either below or well below the career averages. I mean, Beal is like 33% from three. He's been over 43 times in his career and is consistently 38, 39. Otto Porter has been in the mid-40s two years in a row and is now in the mid-30s. Like, these are steep, steep drop-offs. And you look at their numbers on open threes, and they're not good. Like, they're just not good. Like, I don't think that's going to keep up. Like, I see absolutely no reason why Otto Porter would be 10 percentage points worse on open spot-up threes than he was last year. Like, yeah. that's going to change. So. I mean, the only logical answer beyond, like, falling off a cliff in terms of age, which isn't the case, uh, would be... Uh, I've for- completely forgotten my point. Uh, <laughs> would be injury. Um, though, and I, as far as I know, not, none yeah. of those guys are particularly injured. But we just saw that. It's interesting. We just saw it with the Raptors. They were on a pretty bad shooting streak coming into tonight's game it was a big problem on their uh on their trip uh, that they just finished and they had a bad shooting night in boston and and then again in orlando which they almost blew a, another lead which has been a theme it's funny it came tonight but the thing about it is when they were shooting poorly at the beginning of the year kyle lowry was hitting at an absurd rate and then during this stretch where they just struggled danny green was still shooting at a high rate so they've always had somebody who the ball was finding or in lowry creating shots from in his case creating shots for himself that could keep that outside threat going and that space was allowing for you know pascal siakam or Jonas valanciunas or or um, Serge Ibaka to eat inside, uh, to use a wizard, some wizard's phrasing. Exactly. Um, and you just have to have one or two guys at a time who are hitting, and then the rest have to be theoretical threats. And when nobody's hitting, you're going to have you know nights where you score 107 points, but shoot 20% from three. Like, mm-hmm. that's just going to happen. And uh, 
the wizards aren't are obviously not quite as deep as the raptors and not quite as versatile as the raptors defensively and you know a game like this is the result right yeah what i wonder is in the future i I don't think those shots like kelly Oubre gets an open catch and shoot three he's shooting really poorly from three this year and essentially aside from a hot first half of the season last year he's never shot well from three but at the same time he's your small forward if he if you're in a place where you don't want him to take a catch and shoot three when he's wide open then you're in trouble like he does right he does have to take those shots but i wonder if just not necessarily even consistently on nights where like Ubre's clearly not feeling it jeff green's clearly not feeling it and jeff green is you know a 31 percent three-point shooter in his career something like that just a couple of times put it on the floor turn the turn the open shot into and i know this is i'm not saying put it on the floor for one dribble and take a 16 footer i'm saying put it on the floor and go to the rim because, like, in the second half, for example, I think they became really three-point reliant, and they're not making their threes. They had two free throws in the second half. And I think you can use those as open driving lanes, too, not necessarily open shooting lanes. Someone like Jeff Green, someone like Kelly Oubre, really athletic. You can go to the rim. Maybe you can get to the line. Maybe all of a sudden you start feeling it. You can get to the rim. Maybe somebody makes a mistake and does help off of Bradley Beal when you penetrate. Like, then you can find somebody. And I you think know? you saw the Raptors have a few possessions like that where it was – you know, drive, pass it around, and the Wizards stayed with it nicely. But then the guy who caught it in the corner drove, and it's just really hard to play that much react and recover defense over 24 seconds and not allow a shot to a, you know, a halfway decent shooter. Uh, And maybe the Wizards aren't built like this. You know, they don't seem like they have the most natural sort of triple threats in terms of shooting, passing, and driving. Like, there's a lot of those guys, a lot of their players check two of those boxes, yeah, but it's not, not true. necessarily three of them. Yeah, really and, just Beal. Yeah, and that's that makes those plays where you're going from side to side to side and back again very difficult, and that makes it easier for the defense to be able to isolate what shots they're allowing. And, of course... Wall, John Wall is the wild card here because when he's very good, he sort of creates that sort of collapsing on his own and, and more than two guys are collapsing. But when he's ordinary, like he was tonight and has been for most of this year, they really don't have the means of creating that type of ping pong uh, ball movement. Yeah, John Wall tonight, zero free throws. It's not great. I can tell you, he wasn't pleased. He didn't walk into the locker room and say, you know what I'm really excited about? I had zero free throws. He just had some comments where he said some stuff to... Where's the exit? Yeah. Just go that way and head up the stairs. Somebody wants the exit when we're... This is what we get for podcasting out in public. Uh, What were we talking about? John John Wall. Wall. No free throws. Right. John Wall. Not... He just had some comments to uh, Candace Buckner of of the Washington Post about how he feels like he's refereed differently and he wants to get more shot or he wants to get more free throws and he thinks he should get more calls and all those things and tonight he gets zero i need to go back and look at it and see he only took five shots at the rim which is not necessarily a terrible thing i didn't yeah. none of his threes stood out to me as like horrible yeah. but it's worth looking at john wall just like not getting 
to the line that's on for their offense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there were some plays on both sides where it seemed pretty clear that they missed some. I'm not even necessarily calls, insinuating yeah, yeah. the same thing as John Wall. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm insinuating that, like, when shot. John Wall yeah. is getting to the line, like, for example, when they had the comeback against the Clippers the yeah. other night, they were down 24. Part of the reason why the offense was humming so much was because Beal and Wall in the second half got to the line like 20 combined yeah. times. And is their shot selection creating that type of exactly. stuff or even making it possible? Yes, and their and, aggressiveness at the hoop. Yeah. And, and, is the, and is the fact that they're getting to the line making them want to repeat those behaviors also yeah. is it encouraging good behavior, yeah, basically. We like positive uh, reinforcement in this life. Uh, <laughs> that, that's why we're on Twitter. <laughs> Please like my tweet. Please like. Why aren't anybody like? Why it's, isn't anybody like? It's it? also I, why we... tweet again. It's also why we should all be off Twitter. It's, yeah, no, our brains are bad in no small part because of Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just... This team is so it's not an original thought. This team is so clearly based on the shooting and, you know, ball screen ability of Brad Beal and just the explosiveness of John Wall. And if both of those things aren't working, there's not enough talent there, like offensively, for this team to keep up with the better teams in the league. And that's why, you know, not to make this really depressing for Wizards fans, but that's why this team has the ceiling it has. And you know, beyond the questionable moves that have sort of chipped away at their depth over time. Uh, and it's hard to be locked in over 82 games, and this team hasn't got off to a good start, and they're clearly not trusting each other to the optimal degree, and you can't have that sort of lapse of focus and, you know, that lack of purpose and of knowledge of what you're trying to do, because... Raptors have a ton of defensive talent, and they're going to make you uncomfortable. And, you know, with OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard. And by the way, I thought Brad Beal did, when Leonard was on him, did a pretty good job of navigating, you know, the yeah. really awful experience that is having Kawhi Leonard guard you. But unless you're dialed in to doing the three or four things that you need to do, you're going to watch you're just going to have a lot of stagnant possessions. And I think that's what we saw a lot of from the Wizards uh, when they weren't missing three pointers. All right, I want to get your thoughts. Is this year, so the Raptors are now 16-4. and four. Best record in the East, right? They're better yeah. than Milwaukee? Yeah, so Milwaukee, best. I don't know. I think Milwaukee-Phoenix was very close as we were beginning to uh, record this. But the Raptors are a few wins ahead, same yes. number of losses. So Raptors have the best record in the East right now. They had yeah. the best record in the East last year. We've, we've seen this play before, maybe. Yeah. Is, uh, is this team different? I mean, I predicted Boston to go to the finals before the year. I think I would still, gun to my head, predict that. It's very early. But they have, you know, the Raptors can go in, and this is a reductive conversation, but they can go into most playoff series with the best player in a series. That's huge for their you know, morale, and you're even thinking, or I was even thinking, when the game got close in the third quarter, it's like, oh, they're just going to give it to Kawhi, and he's going to take a well-covered 18-footer, and it's going to go in, because he was doing that all night. Like, it's, he's just a force of nature. It doesn't seem like that can be stopped, even if that's the type of shot that you're willing to live with, right? Um, I think having him makes a huge difference. I think them being as versatile as they are defensively makes a huge difference. 
uh, Serge Ibaka is going to be really important for them, which is, you know, seems great right now, might not seem great by the end of the year, but he's been wonderful. Uh, I think this team has a legitimate shot to go to the finals, and giving the Warriors a scare, I still wouldn't bet on it, but I think they have never been in better shape to do so. So that's a long-winded way of saying I think they are different, but I'm not sure that we're going to see it necessarily uh, too, because ultimately it's like a binary thing, right? You do it or you don't. And right. that's the unfair measurement uh, tool which we use. So at the beginning of the year, we had that thing at The Athletic where like all 40 of our writers <laughs> or however many it is yeah. have to send in predictions. 30, I'm going to say 40 just around yeah. it. So everyone except for four people picked Boston to win the East. All four people, all four NBA writers at The Athletic who picked the Raptors to win the East were former Oklahoma writers. <laughs> it was Gina Mizell who was at the Oklahoman, Anthony Slater who was at the Oklahoman, Brett Dawson who was at the Oklahoman and me. And there was no conspiracy. It was complete coincidence. That is strange. It is I, very weird. Especially because, like, there was the game last uh, March where Westbrook and Adams just carved up the Raptors. Yeah, uh, destroyed like, them. Adams killed yeah, Valanciunas and pick and roll. Yeah, and, it's just, and they seem so, like, physical and athletic in, in, in that game and in other instances where they played where you, you would not think they'd be positively predisposed shows, to the Raptors, but also how much the power... Oklahoma writers follow the NBA. Yeah, then, but it's also the power of Kawhi Leonard. Like, people in Oklahoma City would have obviously seen a lot of Kawhi Leonard over the last uh, five or six years and yeah. know how good he can be. And, you know, he's still not at the efficiency where I think people hope he gets to, and he's been one of the five or ten best players in the conference, you could say. Like, I think... Oh, for sure. Like, right now, Kyle Lowry, actually, has a better MVP case. Not that stupid to talk about MVP right now, but his, like, his deeper numbers beyond just leading the league in assists are He's, incredible. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be lighter. Kawhi's one of the three best players in the East, for sure. Yeah. It's him, it's Giannis, it's Embiid. Those guys, I think, at least. Those are three best players in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think they, they certainly, at the peak of their powers, they have... The highest ceilings. Yeah, guy, Kawhi, Kawhi was awesome tonight. Yeah, I thought he was just he was he was hitting every. I, I mean, I tweeted it. He just looks like a different species than those dudes. Like he moves slightly differently. He gets his he gets his position slightly differently. It's almost like stilted and robotic, which both seem like a negative like negative descriptors, but. It's just like he goes out and accomplishes what he wants to. Like he, and it's funny because he's taking a lot of the same shots that DeMar DeRozan do, did. Like if you were to look at a shot chart, which I haven't, I don't think they would look that different, the shot charts. And yet, you know, DeRozan is this like footwork master and, you know, very smooth, whereas Kawhi just comes for his position and takes it. And it's this very like primal robotic I, I think those might be oxymorons I'm not sure I think that might be, be an pri awesome primal yeah. and robotic but yeah. it just seems very imagine a primal robot that would be horrifying yeah a it's... robot invented thousands of years ago <laughs> yeah we're <laughs> off the rails um, but he just 
it's like there's no stopping him from getting the shot he would like to get, and it's just a matter of him getting slightly better shots now, I think. He was fine tonight, so, uh, you know, if this is him at uh, 85% or whatever, the league should probably be adequately scared. A couple quick things before we go. Uh, Thomas Bryant started again. I thought he was legitimately good. Like, yeah. Moved his feet, defended, hit a three, took a bunch of threes, which I think is like they were all good looks. He yeah, went one for four, open. but yeah. uh, they were all fine looks, and he can shoot threes, and they're fine. He had some good defensive plays. He's so much quicker than both Mahimi and Dwight. Uh, had a couple of really nice plays around the rim. Uh, he was uh, he was legitimately good. I think he's going to keep as long as Dwight's out. He's got he's for sure going to keep. Yeah, up. I I liked him. I thought Valanciunas did not have a good game, and Bryant was part of the reason for that. Yeah, he was good. Um, other thing, super weird from Scott Brooks. I was not at Scott Brooks post game. Candace missed Scott Brooks because he went super early. Candace was writing, and I was at Nick Nurse's post game, so I missed Scott Brooks. So it was just a team employee who asked two questions to Scott Brooks, and then he was done. Um, because he went quickly. So not a good Scott Brooks post-game press conference today. So we didn't get to ask him about it. But I have no idea why Jeff Green just didn't play the entire first quarter, didn't come in until there were eight minutes left in the second, and then he played 23 minutes. Like, it was weird enough to where I asked the team in the middle of the game, is Jeff Green out? And they responded, no. It was like Scott Brooks forgot he had Jeff Green on the team. It was super weird considering Jeff Green didn't play well tonight. And it's not like they go super deep, you know? (laughs) Like, you could see, like... If the Raptors were completely healthy, like CJ Miles just might not play one, like one game, but you know they played nine players essentially. Yeah, so. and Brooks, after his rant of "I'm going to get Thomas Sadoransky more minutes," actually got Sadoransky more minutes. He well, played. maybe that's your answer to why Jeff Green wasn't playing as much. Yeah, uh, I mean, he said he wants to play him some of the three, and he did, but like, I mean, Jeff Green still ended up with 23 mm-hmm. minutes. It wasn't that Jeff Green's minutes were down; it was that he didn't come in until there were yeah. like seven minutes left in the second quarter. Like, what was up with it? And then he rotated him normally in the second half. It was just so weird. And I would have asked him, I'm not even going to write about it. Yeah. It was just. Yeah. Like, it's one I, of those, like. It was just so weird. It's like a New York Times trend, trend piece. If it happens three <laughs> games in a row, then you write about it. Right. But until it's just like an oddity. Right. It was super weird. Anyway, uh, plug your plug your awesome work so my listeners can go check it out. Uh, I'm at The Athletic Toronto. Uh, I just came back from the road and I did a, a one of their two-way players Jordan Lloyd scored his first basket so I went basically up and down the roster and asked players if they remembered their first points or first basket and it's surprising that there are players who have no memory of their first basket uh, Kawhi Leonard being one of them uh, he uh he said, I don't think I was concerned with my first basket. And then <laughs> but he, that's great. Uh, yeah, but then he actually laughed the Kawhi laugh, <laughs> which I did not put in the story. I just put in brackets laughs. And I asked a colleague, should I put laughs the Kawhi laugh? And my colleague was like, no, you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was neat. Um, but I, I think that was the piece uh, I was most proud of on that trip. Uh, just, you know, a fun excuse to go down memory lane with a bunch of players i'm at uh and at e corine on twitter.com which you should not be on if you want a functioning brain uh and blake murphy also writes for us full-time he is a maniac in terms of work ethic and breaking stuff down and together we cover the best team in the eastern conference i guess they are the best team in the east they're awesome
This is, I, I mean, this is not a bad loss for the Wizards. Like, they missed a lot of threes, but, like, yeah. whatever. You go to the best team. Right now, the best team in the NBA because the Warriors are whatever the heck they are. Yeah. They won't be the best team yeah. in the NBA in June. But today, hey, they're the best team in the NBA. That means I get to spend a few days in San Francisco in June. I'm there are worse cool things in the world. Yeah, there are. There are definitely worse things in the world. Um, all right. Well, uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. If you're just listening to this and you're not a normal subscriber, you can subscribe and it will cost you zero dollars you can subscribe to the athletic it will cost you a little bit more but not much more we actually have a black black friday sale that'll be up uh 50 off just go there theathletic.com slash free t-shirt yeah get a free t-shirt too and and 50 off as well and you can get your free athletic t-shirt uh follow me on twitter at fred Katz. subscribe to wizards after dark give us a five-star rating that always really helps leave a review reviews actually help way more than you'd expect Thanks so much for everybody who's been listening. I will be back. Second half of Back to Back, actually, tomorrow. Oh my God. I'll be back tomorrow night after the New Orleans game, podcasting again with another guest. Uh, I will talk to you guys then. Mm-hmm.